The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Sif Heider, the founder of Array. I'm a wellness entrepreneur and digital creator, and this is my show, The Dream Bigger Podcast. Listen, I love dreaming big, but you know what I love more? Actually having the resources to make those big dreams happen. And hey, dreams can sometimes be private jets, but other times they can look a little something like having the best skin of your damn life or starting a successful business, or delving into spirituality. So on this podcast, I chat with experts and thought leaders from different fields about their tips and tricks on doing exactly that. So let's get right into it. Happy New Year, you guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Dream Bigger podcast. I think that today's guest could not be a better first guest to ring in the new year. I am, of course, talking about Roddy Shetty, who since this podcast has become a dear friend of mine. And it's one of actually the reasons I love having a podcast is meeting such incredible people who I've actually ended up becoming good friends with since then. So Roddy, I mean, she hardly needs an introduction, but she is an absolute ray of sunshine. She is an incredible content creator. She is a cookbook author. She is just a phenomenal human being who I think just spreads so much more joy and positivity in the world, which is something that we all need. This conversation is absolutely jam-packed with so much value. We talk about everything from, you know, being positive, how Roddy kind of looks at the world, any tips that she has, how she got to where she is. On top of that, we talk about her whole cookbook and like tips that she has, her favorite recipes, how she uses spices. It is a really, really great conversation. And probably my personal favorite part of this whole conversation is her take on how she approaches social media and the tips that she has for all of us. I just think that now that we're in a new year, it's kind of like a fresh start I, I just always feel that way. And it's an opportunity for all of us to integrate more positive habits into our lives. And so I think that this conversation will give you a lot of ideas on the kind of positive things that you may want to add into your life. Before we dive into this episode, I want to bring you this week's review, which comes to us from Eva G15. And they say, life-changing podcast. This podcast has literally changed my life. Sif is such a great host and interviewer, always asking all the right questions. There are so many tangible tips you can take away from each episode and apply to your everyday life. I have shared so many episodes with my friends, sister, and mom. The list goes on, and now they are hooked too. Tuesdays are 10x better when there is a new episode of dream bigger to listen to. Thank you so much, Eva. And actually I've seen this review. I just haven't talked about it on the podcast. And I actually sent Eva a little gift from me because I was so touched by this review. And guys, if you have a couple of minutes, I cannot tell you how much your reviews mean to me in the rating and review section of Apple Podcasts. So you just open the app, you scroll down to the bottom where it says rating and reviews in the rating section. If you feel like I've deserved it, leave me a five-star rating. And in the review section, honestly, tell me any feedback that you have for me. Tell me favorite guests, what you want more of, favorite topics, you know, like guests you'd like to request. Literally any feedback you give me is so valuable to me. It helps me continuously show up as a better host, 
every single episode so I can continue to provide you with valuable content. And I just, I love hearing from you guys. Like you guys are the reason I do this. And so the more I hear from you, the happier I am. So if you do have a second, please, please leave me a rating and a review. All right. With that, let's welcome Roddy to the Dream Bigger podcast. So when I look at your content, I categorize it into positivity. Okay. (laughs) And the reason is because you are sharing things like uplifting words of wisdom, but then also you're sharing like amazing, like nourishing foods for the soul. And I feel like your whole content, it's like nourish yourself almost, you. you know, were you always like this? Like, were you always a very positive person or do you feel like you kind of had to develop that part of you? I would say that I think it's interesting you say that because I find people always ask me, how are you positive all the time? And I'm like, I'm really not. No, I, I doubt I'm anyone really not is that. positive all yeah, the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, think, I think for me, it's, I always try and find a way when, as soon as I started building a community online, I recognized the responsibility and the ripple effect that my energy can have on other people. And so even if I'm having a really terrible day, I choose to squeeze out the ounce of whatever joy or whatever gratitude I have to be able to share that with other people because the alternative is me sharing my bad day and having someone else that's having a bad day and someone else that's having a bad day feel even worse. And so... It's something that I've really tried to nurture in me where it's not that I'm showing a different version of myself. It's that I'm sharing different parts of myself with different people. And it's just more of a responsibility thing that I see versus Mm -hmm. it being who I am all the time. And it definitely has taken some time to nurture, but I always try and squeeze a small amount of gratitude out of any day that I possibly can because there's always something to be grateful for. Like even if you're in the hardest situation, the fact that we are still living, breathing, and for many of us have so much more that we could be grateful for. And so every day I feel a bit of a slump like that. I end up just trying to at least have those moments of thought in my mind. I really do believe, though, that it shifts our perspective because I think that when you're having a bad day and I mean, everyone has a bad day, right? Or like maybe you're in like a really shitty situation. Mm -hmm. I think it's up to you to decide how long you're going to wallow. Yes. You know, I feel like you can sit in it. I, I always think about it as I love the explanation of emotions being energy in motion. I always think about that whenever I'm feeling a specific emotion, I think about it as I am, I'm experiencing it right now. I have to process it and understand where it's coming from, where it's rooting from. And then I can experience it, indulge in it for a little bit. But after a specific amount of time, I'm going to have to, after processing it, let it go to allow other things in through me. And so I do believe in the wallowing, though. I'm like, look, let me give myself, let me feel bad for myself a little bit. Let me pity myself just for a little bit longer. But at some point, you have to learn how you can pick yourself back up and not expect anybody else to do it for you. You have to learn those kind of self-soothing mechanisms yourself. I agree. Do you have like a time limit for how long you let yourself wallow? Because if I'm having like, if I'm like really in the trenches and it's been like a while, I, I like give myself a free day or like this is like these are your two hours to like really feel it and like of course like this is after doing the work of processing and everything I'm talking about just like let me feel sorry for myself and then it's like okay okay time to get it together yeah I'd say especially since I've grown a very small team around me I'm so mindful of how being in close proximities with someone affects everyone else's mood and so I probably give myself the evening to really and if I'm actually 
focusing on it, it doesn't take me more than an evening to figure out what's going on, where it's rooting from. It may still linger on the next day in terms of my energy and my mood, but not necessarily stopping me from doing things. Because I think you can still be really sad and be happy at the same time. And you can feel really angry at something and still be able to show up and continue what you're doing because that's part and parcel of life. So I'd say I've tried to give myself an evening. If it's really bad, I'll give myself a weekend. If it's on a Friday, just to like stay in bed. You know what? Staying in bed the whole day can do wonders. But then movement also is another space that I kind of release a lot of what I'm feeling through. I find movement in physical body helps you shift movement in in mind space and in your heart as well. So I try to go more towards movement than I do stagnancy when I'm feeling in that way. How did you get here? Like, how did you get to the place where you kind of realize that, you know, you have to like there's like a mechanism to work through things and then let it go or like come to this place of self-awareness? Like, were you like this as a kid? No, I wasn't. I think I just got tired of myself. Like I got tired of being the person who always thought someone was doing something wrong to me or the person who was carrying kind of weight after weight after weight and filling myself with that because then my perspective of the world was being filtered through all of that junk. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't want to be I don't want to be seeing people like that. I don't want to be seeing the world in that way. I don't want to be having interactions through all of that junk that I'm allowing to stay in me. Mm -hmm. And I think it was when I started actually noticing how I was speaking to people and how I was maybe saying things but not thinking that or acting a certain way but feeling a different way where all of my actions, my words and my thoughts were not aligned, which created such lack of integrity in what I was doing and who I was as a person to my friends or my family. And I was like, I don't want to be that person because everybody feels it. When you feel someone's energy is off, you feel it straight away. You meet someone for the first time, you feel it. And I remember hearing this quote, it's by one of my teachers, Radhanath Swami, and he said that when integrity is when you're your words, your actions, and your thoughts are all in alignment. And so when people feel that integrity from you, they're able to build a deeper connection with you. When you say something to someone and all three are aligned, they can feel it go straight to their heart or they really believe it. And I was like, I want to be that. And Mm -hmm. so I started working on it because of, I guess, spurred off that quote that I had, had heard. It really hit me. I love that. And mm-hmm. how did you even find this quote? And I'm asking this yeah. because I think that when we're in a place where like you kind of have the tools and it's yeah. like second nature to you, it's mm-hmm. like you know how to tap into that. But I want to give tools to the person who's wanting to make changes in their life, but yeah. maybe don't know how. I have. Well, this is just one way that came to mind. I have my whole entire Instagram feed is curated to see the things that I want to see. And so I have, if you look at my For You page, it's quotes, 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 food, quotes, 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 food. And it really is, I've created an algorithm where I see that. So I know when I'm spending time looking at things for too long, my For You page is basically a reflection of where my mind's at. And so if I'm watching a lot of gossip and watching a lot of things to do with that, my whole For You page is going to be about Bollywood stars and what they're doing and and the people that they're seen with. Or if I'm actually looking for things that are going to bring a better version of myself out, that's what my feed is. So you said, where do I find it? I've known Radhanath Swami and been reading and listening to his words for a long time. But it was when I was seeking a spiritual teacher, I was seeking spiritual wisdom. And so I went to the temple near me. I was really engrossed in trying to understand a deeper spiritual philosophy because I felt a little bit lost at that time. And Mm -hmm. so through that, I found him. But when I think about where I found other words that have really uplifted me, it's through that, seeking what you want to feel in you and what you want to 
give to other people. And so if I am constantly digesting gossip with my friends and online and in the reality TV that I'm watching, then that's all I'm going to pour out because that's literally what I'm absorbing through me constantly. And so I've noticed what I am desiring externally. I have to shift that to be able to desire different things internally. And it's a trigger for me when I notice myself being indulgent in gossip or in things that are lowering my like lowering my desires to Mm -hmm. someone that I don't want them to be. So, yeah, I don't know whether that answered your question. No, (laughs) it really does, though, because I'm the same way as you. Mm. I feel like everything around me is very curated and Mm. people make fun of me because even in terms of like what I watch, it has to be at like a certain energy level because I don't want to leave watching something and feel drained of my energy, you know? And we don't we don't notice how much those things stimulate us or desensitize us. Yes. Every single thing that goes in through every sense of ours, from our mouth with what we're eating, through to what we're saying, the things that we're listening to, the things that the pollution that we're breathing in, every single thing has the ability to affect how we are then perceiving the world and how we are receiving things from other people. Yeah. And so I remember, I think 10 years, was it 10 years ago? Yeah, 10 years ago, I decided I wanted to dive really deep into my spiritual practices, which for me meant someone recommended going to the temple that was close to me and doing the the early meditation prayers with them for like a week. Mm -hmm. And it was a a 4am ritual. So I'd have to wake up at 4am before work, get there for 4.30 and I spend my morning there. And I was noticing that what was stopping me from when I woke up to actually get out the door was all the horror movies that I had seen of coming out of my door to my car and all the things that could happen between the two places. And I was like, how am I stopping all these impressions that have been left in my mind from such a young age are stopping me from coming out of the door to my car that's right here, stopping me from going to this place that I really want to go to, but because of the fear that has been internalized through that. And so I stopped watching horror movies. I stopped watching anything scary, anything that could stop me from wanting to go into the world in real life. And it has made such a difference. And that's just fear, right? And then there's every other emotion that we feel. So feed your emotions. Every emotion that you feed is going to be strongest in you. And so I want to feed the happy emotions as much as I possibly can. I'm completely with you. Like, I'm telling you, people, like, my husband will laugh at me because my favorite movie is Kung Fu Panda, okay? And, like, it's just, like, I want to feel so happy when I come out of it, you know? And he's like, Sif, like, how's that your favorite movie? I'm like, no, like, look this at hope. him. Like, it makes me like, feel happy. Yeah. And so I'm like, listen, our days are chaotic already. Enough. There's this world, okay? There's yeah. things going on and around me that I just can't control. Yeah. What I can control, yes. I'm going to make it good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I I fully believe that. My friends have horror nights. Honestly, Halloween is my, sorry guys, but it's my worst time of year. I really dislike it. <laughs> I don't like driving by being scared by skeletons. I don't like seeing just scary faces everywhere. It's really not an enjoyable time for no, me. No, I like, I like, <laughs> I make Halloween like a very like cozy time. Yes, you know, that's awesome. what, I, yes, have exactly. Some soups. Like I watched Harry Potter last night. That was very love. comforting. Okay. Yes. You know? I love Harry Potter. I'm like, this is spooky. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or maybe like Casper. Casper yes. the Friendly Ghost. Oh Amazing. My gosh. That's literally on my watch list <laughs> yeah. for this. They have it on Netflix if anyone's yeah. wondering. The- <laughs> it, oh, I saw that recently. My friends don't even invite me now. If they're watching anything to do with horror or they want to go watch, oh my gosh, the new Exorcist film. I was like, oh, I went to the movies to watch something really wonderful. I can't remember what it was, but it was, a, I think maybe it was Mission Impossible. 
But for some reason, they decided to have the audacity to put it in one of the trailers. That trailer was felt like it was five hours long. It showed every single horrible part of the movie. I was sitting there with my hands over my eyes like, I cannot believe they're making me go through this without my choice. Literally? Oh my God. I have to send this to my (laughs) husband, what you just said. Because I... Over the weekend, my best friend was visiting and I literally went on a tangent about this exactly. I was like, how dare they put up these like scary posters all around the streets? <laughs> That's what I was talking like, about after the movie. Literally, I'm like, I feel so like violated. Yes. I'm like, I never consented to this. I'm very sensitive to like these things that I watch. Like, absolutely not. The Exorcist no. is like horrific. And it desensitizes people. You know, actually, if you think about the, if we go further than the fact that it's just scary, What it unfortunately does is when you're watching violence, it breeds violence. And when you're watching things which are sexually exploitative to women or abusive to whatever it is that we're watching, it is normalizing it in such a horrific way that we don't even realize that we are watching something that is so horrific. And we think that it is an escape, but actually what's scariest about it is that it's happening in reality and so I think about that with video games with every with everything that we watch it's just it will reflect in our culture and society because it reflects in our mind well even I I was reading something about this I don't even remember where the source was but it was like watching really fucked up dating reality tv shows it's like you can start to like normalize things which you shouldn't normalize you know like I think that people start to think that like these bizarre behaviors within a relationship and like that's what they think is like okay or like attracting that sort of drama it's like I don't want that in my life no but but you're right it does it I mean and we all are suckers for watching I randomly (laughs) started started watching Love Island and I was like why is this so bad but also (laughs) so good and then I, then my friends were like, well, if you watch that, watch Love is Blind. I watched a series of Love is Blind. I was like, I can't, I cannot, but I still do. Like, why? Why I, am I doing this? So I watched the first, <laughs> my husband likes reality TV every yeah, now and then. So he'll put too. it on. And I'm like, Nish, like I joke about myself. I'm like, listen, I don't think I have enough brain cells to spare. Like I, yeah. I just, I feel like I can't do it. Like well, it's I'll almost a TV them. I watch where I don't want to use brain cells. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> but no, it is. It's, it's so important what you allow through into any part of yourself. Like see yourself as a sacred vessel and something which has the ability to change so many lives. I went to a memorial yesterday mm-hmm. and it was so spectacular because it fueled me to want to become the type of person who doesn't just show up in front of people and doesn't just somewhat exist in the world, but impacts, not in even in a celebrity way or in any kind of way, but who impacts every single person that they've been around to the point where they feel their life has significantly changed because of this small interaction they've had with that person. And I was like, how beautiful to do that. But to be able to show up in that way, you have to treat yourself in a way that is sacred so you can spread sacredness to other people. I love that. Beautiful. And it was just amazing. It's mm-hmm. incredible. I w- you know, they asked, someone asked a question at the memorial yesterday. If you were to leave the world tomorrow, do you feel like you've done enough? And I was like, no. I really don't. Not even to the people closest to me, let alone with other people that exist beyond my immediate circle. Mm -hmm. And so I think to honor that, you have to honor who you are and, and nurture the person you want to become. I love that. Are you looking for some good, clean positivity? Good, me neither. 
I'm Maddie Murphy, and I host The Bad Broadcast, a weekly comedy podcast dedicated to talking about everything we'd love to hate. I searched my whole life to find my passion. Little did I know I had been practicing my true talent every single day, complaining. Join me every Monday wherever you listen to podcasts, and be sure to follow me on Instagram at The Bad Broadcast to answer our weekly questions and for a chance to be featured on the show. See you there. Do you have any mindfulness practices? I do. I, well, my morning ritual is something that is probably my favorite thing to stick to because I really notice how much it impacts the rest of my day. I've always been a morning person. It's not something that comes difficult to me. You know, everyone's like, wow, you wake up so early. I'm like, that's actually more natural to me than anything else is. So my morning practice involves meditation. It has done for about 10 years now since I went to that temple and I spent time doing that. It transformed my whole being. And what I realized is no matter what changes in my life, if I have a, by the way, by meditation practice, I mean a stillness practice where I am with myself reflecting on what my mind is telling me, reflecting on what my body needs and wants in that moment. I have a mantra meditation practice, but I think just having a reflective practice in itself is is enough. And then work your way up if you can to other types of meditation. But that morning time is really important. And I think that for me has been my sacred space to nurture that part of me. And when I notice that change, I notice a shift in who I am. How long do you meditate for? So I I meditate for at least an hour to an hour, 15 minutes in the morning. Wow. But that's 10 years down the line. So I built it up over a long period of time. It wasn't something I just dove into. But I noticed that, you know, I think about how much time I spend doing other things during the day. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about that with my workouts as well. Sometimes you're like, oh, wow, someone walked for two hours, but that's two hours of movement and 22 hours of stagnancy. So actually the two hours feels like an immense amount of time to go for a walk, but it's really not because we're stagnant for, for those 20 hours. And so in the same way, when I think about the reflective practice of the meditation, That is the only hour, hour and a half of stillness that we get. Because yes, sleep is included, but you're not consciously digging in Mm -hmm. your own mind. Mm -hmm. Whereas that one hour of reflective practice versus everything that we, you know, take in throughout the day, that doesn't seem like much at all Mm -hmm. if you think about it in that way. So I built it up because I felt like I needed it. And when I was lacking it or whenever I do find myself lacking it, my emotions are all all over the place. I am probably not as nice as I should be to people around me. I'm snappier. It just brings out, I hope, the better version of myself, which I want to kind of maintain. So (laughs) when you started, was it like a shorter period of time? Oh, yeah, I would commit to. So I I use beads when I'm meditating Mm -hmm. because I mean, I try to engage as much, just as we do when we're watching movies now. It's like they have 3D, they have surround sound. Sometimes they have like, you know, when you go to Universal Studios, they have these effects where there's blowing of the wind and whatever. In the same way, when you're meditating, ideally engaging all your senses helps you to focus. And so I have beads in my hand because we're so used to being on our phone, whereas the beads will connect me back to my practice. I use sound meditation, so I'll do mantra meditation. So I'll speak, so that helps engage my mind, the sound vibrations. I'll light incense or a candle that helps my smell sense where I'm like, oh, this is the smell that 
is meant to be for a mindful practice mm-hmm. now. And visually, I'll either I have an altar that I sit in front of and have my own kind of deities and you know meditative pictures that I like. But also going outside in nature really helps me. So I try to engage as many of my senses as possible in the practice. So I have beads and I use them, and I have specific amount that I commit to to go round on the beads. There's 108 beads on it, and so. When I first started off, I do one round of it and that would take like 10 minutes. And then so now I've built up to the amount that I am doing now. And as years went on, I decided to commit to myself and for me to God to do a little bit extra every single day. I love what you say about, you know, when you start your day with this practice, it allows you to show up as a better, Mm. kinder, like... I guess, like more elevated version of yourself because it's true. Like Mm. I don't have a meditation practice, but I do ground myself in the morning and I do that through journaling. And there are days that I meditate. I'm just not as regular with it as I would like to be. Although I will say in October, I have been meditating every day this month. Yay, that's amazing. (laughs) But I do feel like it allows you to be proactive before you're becoming reactive. Yes, so true. And I think it... You said I always used to call it my my higher self, but actually it's just connecting back to our true self in my mind. Like I'm like I always think, oh, is it just a version of me that I can show up as if I do this, this, and this? But no, it's what it's actually doing is it's cleansing us. Like it is clearing all that gunk that we have built up and it's allowing us to truly connect to who we are, to our deep roots. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, it's not that it's making us better, it's making us into our our original self of who we always want to be and always have been but things just get in the way of that the filters that come upon us but yeah I, I do find that I have so many ebbs and flows with my practice I will show up and I will be distracted I'll be on my phone I'll be trying to watch whatever's happening outside and I will be sitting for a whole hour and notice that I really wasn't in meditation but what I have found is just showing up mm-hmm. because showing yourself and committing to yourself and being consistent It's something I found really difficult in a lot of parts of my life. But to commit to something and tell yourself, I'm going to do this even if I don't want to. And I'm going to show up even when I don't want to. And even if I've dropped off for a month, I'm not going to shame myself. I'm not going to tell myself that I don't deserve the practice or convince myself that I shouldn't go back to it. Whenever I get the opportunity to, I'm going to keep going back and keep going back. And I think that commitment to yourself allows you to it's almost like committing to a partner, right? Like you keep keeping on showing up for yourself allows a deeper relationship with yourself, regardless of whether you failed once or failed twice or failed three times, you're still going back to trying to connect back again. Love that. How did you get interested in food and the nutrition piece? I've been a, well, coming from an Indian family, I've been a foodie from the moment I was in my mom's belly, probably lifetimes before that too. And one, my mom is, an, I mean, everyone feels their mom is an incredible cook. My mom is such an incredible cook. She, full time, she would make sure I had green juice in the morning when it was like not even cool to have green juice. She'd be making carrot juices and juices in the morning before work. And she'd get my vitamins out for me in the morning. And then she'd be doing her meditation in the morning or before she went to work full time, then came home and cooked us fresh meals every single night. Wow! I can barely get up in the morning and like make my own, remember to take my own vitamins, let alone do all of those things that she's she did for me. And she would make food interesting, but still healthy. And I think the version of Indian food that people now see on a day-to-day basis is probably not the traditional healthy Indian food that we're used to. Mm-hmm. But she used to make cuisines feel so exciting. We were, I was vegetarian from when I was born. 
but we never felt like we were missing out on anything. And there were different cuisines always. It was it was just beautiful what she did. Mm. And so I learned a lot through the way that she created her love language was food. If someone was coming over, there was never one dish. It could never be one dish. It had to be a dish with three side dishes, two desserts and everything else in between. So I felt like her way of loving and service was through food. Mm -hmm. And I think I took that on a lot. So whenever I was thinking about giving to people, it would be, let me make a cake or let me make something for people when they come. And it really made me appreciate that gesture because there's one thing about buying people things, but when you can create something with your hands, whether it's art, whether it's, you know, I don't know, something knitted for someone or food, it's your ability to pour yourself into something that they're able to hopefully appreciate or get nourished by. So it was my mom and then I did my nutrition degree. My mom recommended I did that. I wanted to be a doctor, honestly, as most Indians really? do. Well, I wanted to be a pediatric doctor. I was really obsessed with with doing something with children. I can honestly see that too. Yeah, I really <laughs> wanted to. I was like, but honestly, I didn't have the grades or the brains. So I didn't get the grades for that. So I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. My mom was like, I've heard about this degree, nutrition. The government's paying for it right now. So why don't you do that? I was like, sure, why not? I had no idea what it was going to be. <laughs> but my mom said it. And I believe my mom really knew me better than I did at that age. And so I went for it and learned so much more about the practicalities of food, of what food consists of, the intricacies of it, but from a biological and physiological way. But after I did that, I did my dietetics degree to work in a hospital. So I'm a dietitian and nutritionist. Wow, I I didn't know that. That's incredible. Thank you. I learned a lot through that, but I still felt like I was missing something because I was working in a hospital and I had to recommend these things that I wouldn't necessarily take myself or I wouldn't want to recommend that people did supplements and things when actually what I wanted to be teaching people was how can we heal our bodies through food that we eat, through spices that I learned were so good for you growing up. And so I moved to New York for my husband's work and there I couldn't actually use my degree at all because I was in a different country and I didn't have a work visa. So I decided to throw myself back into study and I learned about Ayurveda And that was it for me. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what I want to share with people. How every single thing in nature has the ability to heal or harm our body, but we have to understand it and understand ourselves to know our relationship with it. And that is where my passion definitely lies. And that's why I just love creating food with spices and all the things that the body can be healed by. I love that you're able to kind of like merge the two worlds because I think like there is something to be said about the science behind like, you know, the nutrition, like really understanding like the biological aspects Mm -hmm. of the body, but then like blending it with this like really ancient healing practice that's been there for centuries. Yeah. Like Ayurveda is like, I mean, it's like, sacred you know it is it's I mean the oldest health science to exist and I just want to confirm when I was saying supplements I don't know whether you guys call it something different here but it was the drinks that have like all the nutrition I know what you're I know what you mean yeah yeah, yeah. I didn't mean like vitamins and stuff it was just it was a different it was almost instead of having an avocado milkshake have this because you're underweight or instead of having this have this and I just think that instead of educating people we were almost disarming them from being able to understand themselves and what they need so instead we're like do this or do that but actually education is where we have to try and get people to because then they're able to heal themselves versus always coming to somebody else to help treat them well I also love that you say this because I remember even and like for me it was just like the base level of I don't know what to make for myself and I remember when I was in college like I had no not a clue 
how to nourish myself, right? And like, even when it comes to the education, I just couldn't, I didn't even know that healthy food could taste good, where to start. Like I had to teach myself all of this, Mm -hmm. you know? And so it's even just that, that like food is, it can either be your medicine or your poison. Yes, you know what I mean? Definitely. And like knowing how to navigate it, it's so important. It is. I think we become so disconnected to the food that we eat to the point where, you know, when you ask a child where they think that the food on their plate comes from, they often have no idea. No idea. And I think that's really the root of a lot of disease in the world right now, whether it's minor health conditions to major health conditions. I think disconnected from nature and what you're actually eating and the process of creating the food yourself, the oils that you're using. Really, we eat out so much now. And there's very, I actually think that what's the most worrying is that we're taking so much of what we eat to other people. Like not only are we giving our power of our health away, we're also giving the power of our food away to other people. And we're not seeing it as a sacred ritual of nourishing our body by the way, to be able to do every single thing that you want to do in this world, to be able to wake up and work out, to be able to go to work, to be able to function properly when you're in meetings, all of that is affected by the food you're eating and nourishing your body with. And so it blows my mind that we actually have created such a mindless relationship with food right now, when in actuality, if we connected back to it, it would enhance every single part of our life. And I think that involves stripping everything back to not the processed stuff, not the stuff that looks really exciting and is packaged up in certain ways, but let's go back to what nature just gives us. And I think if we all did 80% of that and 20% of the ice creams and the crisps and the chips and chocolates and whatever, that balance is fine. It's not all or nothing. I agree. But it's quantity and the quality that makes such a difference. I like, I honestly, I couldn't agree more. And I think like even just for my own health journey, you know, as I started to learn how to nourish myself and that like healthy food can be absolutely delicious it's it's an empowering feeling you know it is you know I only studied I would say I'm at the beginning of my Ayurveda studies I would say I'm still such a basic student in it but I think even in my book I've, I've spoken about a lot of Ayurvedic rituals and practices even around food the recipes aren't necessarily Ayurvedic strict recipes Mm -hmm. but I Every time I was, you know, battling between am I watering down the philosophy too much, I thought, but people don't even know the basics. And so for me, the basics have transformed my life so much. The advanced level, only advanced people are going to be able to do. It's so difficult to actually adhere to 100% living in a strict diet and eating, no eating ice cream, no eating whatever it is. But I think even if you do that small percentage change, it can change the trajectory of your health completely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. Totally. Can you share a few of your favorite tips for our listeners? Like, Yeah, let me think. My favorite tip. So my number one tip that is the essence of my book is increase the amount of spices in your food. Spices are literally medicine in a box. My spice box is my medicine box. I remember Growing up and my mom, if I had a cold or cough, she would not go to a paracetamol or an Advil here. She would get turmeric out. She would get Ajwain out to boil it in water and make me drink that. Or, you know, if I had a temperature, there were just so many spices that could be used in so many different ways. And when I was younger, I took it as nothing. It was just Mm -hmm. natural to me. And I grow up now and I'm doing the same thing. I 
very rarely, if ever, use medicine now. I use my spices. Even if, by the way, I probably shouldn't say this, but when I had a dental infection, I used clove oil. By the way, don't do that if you don't know how to use it. But, you know, everyone was like, no, you have to take antibiotics. And I was like, well, actually... There are lots of antiseptic, antibiotic properties in cloves and in clove oil. I wanted to see Mm -hmm. because that's something which you can almost feel like is impossible to get over without antibiotics. But I did. And it just I've been experimenting with the healing properties of spices. And so I would say, number one, expand your spice cupboard every single week or every single month, whatever you can, you know, manage pick a new spice to experiment with, see how it feels in your body, how it does in your food, really start to connect with that. And I think that'll be amazing for you. And then another thing I would recommend is learning your cues of hunger. It's so important. In Ayurveda, it talks about eating until you are three quarters satisfied, not full. So what that means is we usually start we usually think that we have to stop eating when we get that, oh, I'm so full now, I'm done, I just can't eat anymore. But actually there's something about eating and understanding your cues of I'm satisfied, not full. And so, you know, experiment with that too. When you feel like I've actually eaten enough to nourish my body versus overloaded my body and my stomach to the point where I'm feeling lethargic. And so a great way to understand that is after I'm eating, am I feeling tired? energy less and feel like I want to go to sleep or heavy? Or am I feeling energized and light and still feel like I can move and do everything I need to do? Mm -hmm. And so I would say those two separations can help guide you of whether you've eaten too much or you've eaten the right amount. I've got so many more, but should I keep going? Yeah, give me, give us one more. (laughs) Okay, I'll give you one more. One thing I noticed when I came to America, especially because obviously it's a warmer country, uh, well, LA, is that people drink a lot of cold water and cold beverages. Mm -hmm. And of course, like when it's hot summer, you want to drink something cool, that's fine. But usually when your digestion isn't that great, if you're noticing your digestion isn't great, which a lot of people do, swapping from having iced beverages to having hot water or room temperature will completely change your gut. I've had so many people tell me this has worked miracles for them. That simple change and shift of drinking hot teas, hot water after your meals, or rather than having cold beverages with what you're eating. I honestly, I've never been able to enjoy cold water. I'm like, I just like, how am I supposed to drink the quantity that I need if it's so cold? (laughs) Cold, I I can't do it. (laughs) But I feel like it's, you know, iced coffees, iced teas. I mean, I have a iced tea, I have a cold, like ready to drink beverage that, you know, I sell as well. And I love drinking it now and then. But again, I think it's about balance. Mm-hmm. No, when you should be drinking it and how you should be drinking it. I always love starting my day off with hot water and I use three spices, coriander, cumin and fennel seeds. It's like really yes, like fresh coriander. No, sorry. Dried. So coriander seeds, fennel oh. seeds and cumin seeds. It's called CCF and it is I guess the queen of spice blends in Ayurveda. Really? Yes, it is amazing. You boil your water in it, your hot water, you drink that as your tea. It helps. Do you strain it though? Yeah, you can strain it. Uh I sometimes like chewing on the fennel seeds. But yeah, I I would recommend straining it. Equal parts of all three so you can make a big batch of it. Uh But drinking that one, it helps to purify the blood, cleanse your digestive system, stoke your digestion because it's been resting for whatever, eight, seven or eight hours. Helps to release the toxins that have, you know, built up overnight. There's just so many benefits to it and also helps to re kind of balance your stomach fluids and acidity and everything. So Wow, I did not know that. Yeah, it's a great blend. That's really fascinating. Great. Okay, I'm going to try that. Yeah, try it, please. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful. It actually tastes really nice. 
Okay. Unless you're someone who, with a lot of people, I, I don't know whether you've heard when people eat coriander sometimes or cilantro. They think it tastes like soap. Soapy. I'm like, this is like such a tragedy it for you. It makes me so sad. Anybody who has soapy cilantro, I'm really <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry for you. I, I really am too. I'm like, yeah. what, what do you mean? It's like one of the best things ever. I know. I put it on everything. everything. I know. Me too. Like cilantro <laughs> is my favorite thing. Yeah. Do you do coffee as well or no? I never grew up drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. My parents grew up drinking masala chai. They mm-hmm. grew up drinking tea. But yeah, I never really grew up drinking coffee at all. And I still... Okay, my friends make fun of me because Radhi on holiday drinks coffee, like loves a coffee, which I do. <laughs> I love getting an iced coffee and I'll like savor that one coffee that I have a day. But it's not in my daily practice at all. I love a... I have a if I go out and about, I might get a matcha latte or, mm-hmm. or maybe get an iced coffee if it's really hot outside. But no, it's not in my daily... It's not in my cupboards. So in the morning you wake up and that's like... The, I have the, my coriander, cumin and fennel. The CCF. Yes, yes. CCF too, okay. I probably only really get my caffeine hit from chocolate. Really? Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Honestly. I, no, I, I really understand the need for it. And I think sometimes my go-to is sugar mm-hmm. instead of having coffee. Mm-hmm. That's usually my kind of crutch for when I'm feeling en- low energy. Yeah. But I do find as soon as I start the habit of having something with caffeine it just hooks you on your body almost doesn't know how to create the same energy that you need when you're having coffee and I and I say this to a lot to people that if your body is needing something to give you energy there's something that that needs to be fixed biologically or hormonally that needs to get checked because you shouldn't need to rely on coffee to make it through the day. And so adju- it's a sign that adjustments need to be made. Well, I, I like I totally agree with mm. you because there's times where, you know, I'll feel like very reliant or yeah. like I'll start to feel a slump at like in the, in the afternoon. Yeah. And if I need that second coffee, I'm like, OK, like what is going on here? Yeah. Like there's something happening and like it could be because I'm just like too burnt out or it's mm-hmm. just been too tough like when it comes to work or I've not been sleeping enough, you know? And so you're totally right. I think like, I think it can be used in like a really good way. But I think if you're using it as a Band-Aid solution to just like overall fatigue, that's, I think, a problem. Definitely. And I think I think about this with everything from sugar to carbohydrates to whenever I end up feeling either controlled by or that I feel I am finding difficult to give up, that's a sign to me that there's just adjustments. That's a trigger warning to me in my body that something needs to change because I was doing that after my um, lunchtime, I would find a slump where I was just wanting to have sugar, like just have so much sugar in my diet that Mm -hmm. was able to keep me going. Mm -hmm. And then I... I would just, every time I feel like that, I do a check of my nutrient levels of vitamin D and things like that because I I find that affects my necessity for those so much. And like after this, I'm going to get my vitamin D shot because I'm so low in vitamin D and I'm feeling it and I'm craving sugar all the time because of it just to boost my energy levels up. That's, I mean, yeah, you're you're totally right. Like I feel like getting blood work done and like understanding like what is going on, I think it like teaches you a lot. Totally. So I want to move in to audience questions because we have a couple. Amazing. Someone asked about your kitchery reset. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Tell me more because I don't know. I don't know what she's talking. (laughs) I know what kitchery is. I didn't know you were doing a reset, but tell me more. No. So I always recommend, you know, there are so many cleansers out there and a lot of them involve not eating. (laughs) Whereas in Ayurveda, they recommend having a mono, is it monotone or mono? It's a mono something, a mono diet where you're basically eating the same thing for breakfast, lunch and dinner allowing your gut to 
know what's coming, allowing it to rest, but still replenishing and nourishing your body at the same time. Kitchri is a blend of rice and lentils, and you can add some soothing vegetables and spices, like soft, gentle spices into them. You can do that either for a one-day full cleanse, you can do a three-day, you can do a five-day, and it just really helps to reset. It helps to reset your gut, it helps to allow it to rest. And also, if your digestion is quite weak, it can allow your digestion to kind of, again, reset. So I do that I do that at least once or twice a year where I'll just have that mono diet. I will either in the morning have kitchri or just have the hot water with the spices. Sometimes I'll add in poached apples or stewed apples mm-hmm. because that's meant to be with cinnamon, which really helps to regulate your blood sugar levels in the morning. And then I'll just have kitchri for lunch and dinner. And it tastes really good, honestly. I love a kitchri. It's usually the food you're given when you're ill in India. Yes, yeah, literally. Exactly. Like anytime I've had food poisoning as a kid yes. or like even not even as a kid, like even I went home in December to see my parents and I got like so sick one day like I I can't even tell you it was so sick I hadn't eaten anything weird but I I don't know like maybe I was like tired or something the next day immediately Kitchery. yeah and I was like this is so comforting it's so comforting it's so comforting and you don't have to feel hungry when you're trying to you know save your gut when you're trying to do something like that actually that could harm it more than heal it and so Having kitchen is a great way. You could do the same with soups if you wanted to. Anything cooked and with a few gentle spices is a great way to do that. Love that. Okay, actually, I know we're in audience questions, but I actually have a question. Yeah, I can ahead. be the audience. <laughs> what are your like three favorite recipes from your cookbook? Do you have? Oh gosh. It's like I know I keep it's saying I'm like it's like asking me to pick a favorite child know, that I don't I have, <laughs> or like three that people can start with. Not yes, no favorites. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna pick categories. Okay, okay let's okay, do it. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, done. So I have a lot of one pot meals in there. So I find if you're struggling, if you don't really know how to, where to start with cooking, one pot meals are way less scary where you're throwing everything into one pot. It's cooking. And I've really thought about balance of health and taste in every single dish. And so there is a great balance of, for example, I have a, a Mexican one pot rice, but that's got vegetables. It's got your protein from beans and it's got your rice for your carbohydrates. And so I have a lot of one pot rice, vegetable um, protein dishes in there. So start with that. And then I have so many great pastas, which I've got a roasted red pepper and tahini spicy taglatelli recipe. That is one of my favorites. It's my go-to when people are coming over. It's really indulgent, but still actually has a lot of vegetables snuck into the pasta sauce. And then I've got some good cheeky desserts in there, but like cheeky, but still you could have every day. That doesn't feel like you're indulgent. what? Give me one example. Okay, so one of them that I've done, you basically core out an apple and then you stuff it with this streusel topping. It's almond flour, oats. You can add some dark chocolate pieces into it. You bake it and then you can have it with, if you want, you can have it with like yogurt, you know, low-fat yogurt if you want to, or you can have it with ice cream. So you can pick and choose if you how indulgent you want to get. (laughs) Okay, that sounds amazing. Oh my God. Like I want to make like a little streusel situation. I feel like we're in the weather for this time of year. I know. Okay, next question. Yeah. This was actually a very popular question. How did you and Jay find each other? Because you both seem like very positive, good people. We found each other because I guess it was similar interests. You could say he was actually teaching as a monk when I first came into contact with him. Mm -hmm. And I just was obsessed with going to his classes and learning more because he was so young and he was sharing this philosophy that I'd never really invested time to you know hear about and at the same time was someone who had studied and done all these things but given it all up for 
understanding himself and spirituality. So I actually met him in that capacity before we started dating. But then he stopped being a monk. He left the temple in that way. And I was friends with his sister. And so we started speaking organically. And it was just, I had a very clear idea of what I wanted in my life at that point when I was thinking about a partner. And it was someone that our deepest connection was through spirituality and everything else was secondary to it. And so I think we both had that desire where God and our spiritual practices were in the center and everything else would kind of, yeah. That's really beautiful. It It was. Yeah, it was really nice. And and it still continues to be that. I think we always come back to that, even if our hobbies change and our likes and dislikes externally change. We both know our deepest connection is through is through that. And we can always find our ways kind of back to each other through that. I love that. Okay, last question that we have time for. What are your tips for someone who's wanting to be more positive and like look on the at the bright side of things? curation of your life like we spoke about really take inventory because it's and I'm going to say this and it's not taking the blame away from you but it's not you it's everything that's surrounding you and you have the ability to control that most of the time there are some things you can't control Mm -hmm. if you may have negative parents in your life you may have negative work colleagues in your life those are the things you can't control But take inventory of the things that you are able to control, like your Instagram feed. And I keep saying that because we spend a lot more time on Instagram than we realize scrolling. Your friends, what are the conversations that you're having? And what are the books you're reading? What are the TV shows you're watching? What is the music that you're listening to? And see, write every piece of that down, everything from morning to evening that you absorb. What is the food that you are eating? And then see if it is a reflection of how you are feeling. And if it is, one by one, go through and see how you can adapt and change that. I have made a point with my friends that I will not gossip about people or make people the focus point of our conversation. And that has changed our relationship, but it's also changed what I end up hearing and what I end up taking in. And so I'd say take inventory of your life and then start changing small things one by one. And I don't want to guarantee, but I can guarantee for myself that made the biggest difference. I love that. That's that's a very, very solid tip. (laughs) Great. Tell everyone where they can find you. Tell everyone where they can shop your cookbook. Tell us everything. Okay, so I'm Radhi Devluke on Instagram and my book is called Joyful. It's www.joyfulbook.com. It's coming out in late February and also my podcast is out. It's called A Really Good Cry and it's by me, Radhi. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved the episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. It takes five seconds and really helps the show grow so I can keep bringing on awesome guests. If you want to follow me behind the scenes, you can find me on Instagram at Sif And don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I drop new episodes every Tuesday, so come hang with me and shoot the shit with some really smart people, learn and unlearn, and have a lot of fun. See you next week. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.